0: Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you. We just thank you, Father. Above all, if you hadn't been our father, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here, Lord, together as your children. We wouldn't have known each other. The spouses we have, the children we have, The church we have, the place, even this place we have gathered, all is because Jesus is our Savior. And God is our Father. And I pray, Father, no one sitting here or anywhere in the world who is listening would ever forget that the reason we are together is because God wanted a family. And for that sake, he sent his only begotten son, that through him, he would reconcile back his creation that has gone wayward. And those who have come through that door that he opened in and through your son have been called and sent out, every one of us, to be witnesses of that love and been given the ministry of reconciliation. And even tonight, I pray, here, somewhere, somebody would be reconciled to God, would know Jesus as Savior, or a wayward son or daughter would come back home and see the Father has never changed, his love has never dropped, he's still the same, just been waiting. So Father, I release the word into thy hands. Speak to us, Lord. Still our fears. Still our fears. So many sitting here, even the younger ones, have their own fears. But the first word you uttered when you rose from the dead and came to your disciples was peace. 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 Peace is the absence of fear. Peace. We want that peace in the midst of all that the world is going through and each one personally is going through. Your peace. Let's speak first that peace so that in that stillness and in that peace of the soul we will hear your word. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We'll turn To Jonah, chapter 1 and verses 3 to 5. But Jonah, is it possible, Sammy, unless it uh, affects the cameraman? doesn't affect me if these lights are put off so that they can see this better. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship was about to be broken up. And the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the Lord. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. Now turn me to Mark chapter 4. And we will read from a very familiar portion for us, verse 35 and to forty-one. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly as said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Going back to Jonah. Okay. Jesus and Jonah. Jonah and Jesus. Jonah is important in the new covenant because I see one sign God has given us. The sign of Jonah. Early in the morning, no? when I was asking the Lord, like Pastor Vijay was saying, you no, know, the preacher becomes familiar. That's a problem. But the bigger problem is when the word becomes familiar. Preacher becoming familiar is still okay. But when the word of God becomes familiar, it's a bigger danger. Because what happens is, Oh, we know him so well. That is the preacher. I have read this so many times. I've heard this so many times. So we cease paying attention. That should not be your response. I know my response when I read the word is not that how many times I have read is how much I have forgotten. How much I have forgotten. It's not how much I remember. What I'm conscious about the fact is how much I have forgotten. Yes, yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. When Pastor Vidya was preaching, yes, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. This is bringing back to our remembrance. When the Spirit of God comes, he will bring to our remembrance the things that we have heard. So this morning you heard, we heard about the Lamb of God. I said last week, it's an incredible picture God has given us from the animal kingdom and from the bird kingdom. From the animal kingdom, you can't find something meeker than a lamb. And from the bird kingdom, you cannot find something meeker than the dove. And the entire work of redemption, creation, redemption, is done by a dove sitting on a lamb. Not by wolves and elephants and tigers and lions, no. By a dove, and sitting on a lamb. There's a two picture God has given. That meekness is not weakness. It is absolute strength. God is looking for meekness that His power and His strength can come upon people. Okay, so get these pictures, get these pictures right. Here is a man called Jonah. Is absolute, there is absolutely no misunderstanding or confusion about the will of God in this man's life. It's very clear. Go to Nineveh. Response, I will not go. I will not go. So it's not, I'm not sure about the will of God. Lord, I'm waiting, I'm seeking, I'm searching. Absolutely clear. And he goes. He arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. We say, there are three stages in everybody's life. Either things are okay, you're getting ready to enter into a storm. Or you are in a storm. Or you are getting out of a storm. You cannot escape storms. There's no way you can escape storms. Storms are designed by God. The only question to ask is, when I'm hit by the storm, am I in the will of God or outside the will of God? am i in the will of god or am i outside the will of god here is a man who is absolutely outside the will of god and is fleeing from the presence of the lord and initially things all seems to be very easy he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to tarsus everything seems to be right, okay you reach you are running away from the will of god door seems to be opening suddenly this door opened suddenly you see a ship suddenly you see have enough money Suddenly you see that it's a birth empty. Everything seems to falling into place and you say, Hallelujah Lord! You make the breakthrough. God says, really? You know exactly what I told you to do. You don't fall. Okay. These are things which I tell people, even to the ones closest to my heart. Two is right, three is right, four is right, five is right, six is right, seven is right, eight is right, nine is right, ten is right, but one is wrong. Or are you going with it? But 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10? Yes, but what about 1? Passage to Joppa. is easy because it's downhill. You see, going away from God is very easy because it's downhill. Ship is ready, birth is empty, fare is available. Then the storm hits. When the storm hits, the question to ask is this. Am I in the will of God? Or am I outside the will of God? In both stories, which are real events we heard, Jonah went to the bottom of the ship and was fast asleep. Jesus went to the back of the boat and he was fast asleep. So outwardly it looks, both of them are sleeping. Both of them are sleeping. Okay. Both of them are sleeping. Jonah is sleeping? Jesus is sleeping. And both cases, the, those who were awake were panicking and afraid and crying out. So that also looks the same. Jonah wakes up and is defiant. Defiant. Jesus wakes up and is calm. So we need to ask this question today. Because yesterday, the question we asked or the lesson God told us is Come apart with me. Come apart with me. Here, instead of going apart with Jesus, he's going from Jesus. He's going from. That's what it is. And because of one man's disobedience, everybody else lost. It's very simple. Very simple. Okay, now we read these things just casually and this is a merchant ship. Going from Jopa to Tarsus, old age, old days, merchant ships. People borrow money, put their investments, they buy cargo, they buy merchandise, they find a ship. They are investing their life savings to go to some other place, sell it on a profit and to come back. And then with the money start something else instead. Because one man is outside the will of God, defiantly, all. of them lose their cargo. Okay? So be very careful. Because if you are outside the will of God, after knowing the will of God, many others will lose along with you if you are in the boat with them. Everybody is in some boat. Everybody is in some boat. And if you are sailing in the same boat, and if you are the one who knows the will of God and you are consciously disobeying the will of God and refuse to come apart with him and to go with him, you can cause a lot of others to sink with you. Sink with you. So be careful. We've been looking at the will of God for a long, long time. Long, long time. And here is somebody else. Now let's, let's leave Jonah aside. Let's go back to very familiar. Like I said, you have heard this many times. But let's go to Mark. Mark. Verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Like I said yesterday, if you read Mark, Mark is in a hurry. Alright? But Mark shows you stuff about Jesus sometimes which you don't see in the other Gospels. That Jesus came apart with his father every day. See we are introduced to actual to Jesus on the day of his baptism. That's when we are introduced to him and something about one thing which you will re- realize about Jesus from the day he's introduced to us as a thirty year old man to the day he dies on the cross is that heavens is never closed for him. it's open heavens. He always. Hears from his father. You heard today three things. One, deceit. It's written about Jesus, there was never deceit found on his tongue. Third thing you will see, he was perfect in his obedience. He learned obedience by what he suffered, and when he was perfected, meaning he was Absolutely subject to his father's will. And the third thing, he lived his entire life on earth for others. Therefore, heavens were never closed for him. Never, ever closed for him. Never. You don't have to fear storms. All you have to know is, am I in the center of God's will? If I am in the center of God's will, storms cannot destroy me. It cannot break my ship. Salmon cannot kill me. Barrenness cannot make me unfruitful. It cannot because I know where I am. I am in the center of God's will. You turn. Keep your hand over there if you have your Bible. You should have your Bible. Though we have this screen, okay? It's it just to make it easy. But carry this with you. Carry this with you. Okay, carry, Always carry this with you. It's good. If you turn me to 1 John... The first epistle of John and chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. It's the confidence we have. So, the primary thing is not about asking. The primary thing is seeking and knowing the will of God. If you seek and know the will of God for your life, because God is ready to reveal his will to his children, and then he says, you ask according to the will, he'll never say no. He may say, wait. But he will never say no. And if you ask outside the will of God, even if it's God's own son, he will say no. Drink from that cup. Drink from that cup. says, Father, take this cup. But he makes it very clear. I know this is my will, but let your will be done. We have pictures over here. Okay, So there is Jesus in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. He's starting a journey. Okay. In your mind, picture this. There was Jesus. Jesus was. Early in the morning, he arose. He found a place which was solitary. He spent his time with his father. He's come back and he started that day. Unlike us, he does not have a definite timetable. He's not working into a 9 to 5 job. He doesn't have a family, a wife and children. So those are things which are fixed in what we call the general will of God. In his case, he's an itinerant preacher. Okay, He's not working in a particular synagogue. He's an itinerant preacher. But get the principle. The principle is he hears from his father. And as he hears from his father, on that same day when evening had come, from morning onwards, he's been teaching, healing, deliverance, evening had come. He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. We came apart with God. I hope you did not come without God. We came apart with God for two days. We spent time with God we will leave tomorrow evening, whatever time, the, depart from here. We will finish, we will go back. But now we are going back to go with him. Go with him. Never forget, this life is just transitory. We are going to the other side. Never forget that. And he's the only one who can take us on the other side. Nobody else can take us to the other side. Don't get caught away by this glittering world or the busyness of the world, the tensions of the world, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, all these things. Don't get fooled because we are here. We are going to the other side, like I said in the morning. And the first and most important priority is we take our family with us. All the people sitting here are families. And as a shepherd, my priority is to see that no sheep is missing. No sheep is missing. Lord, everyone. All the sheep. Not a single one missing. Everyone. Lord, everyone. 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 Morning and evening. Seven days a week. My wife and I pray. Every day we pray. That's what we pray. We pray for so many things. But one of those constant prayers is for the sheep. No one missing. Everyone comes through. Everyone comes through. So the Bible says, let us go over. Okay, let us go over. Now we left the world and came apart with him. It doesn't stop there. If you want to go to the other side, you want to have an ongoing journey with Jesus Christ, there will be always this condition. You will have to leave the multitude behind You will have to leave the multitude behind. You will have to leave the crowds behind, because almost everything that people do is because of the crowd. Right? Most of us probably are normal when we are alone, because the crowd isn't there. <laughs> like Pastor, I say, you know. Sometimes, if you th- if you really sit down and think, we are all very good actors. Because we are acting everything out for the crowd. And if you are alone, you are a different person altogether. You won't do half the things which you do because this multitude is controlling us. But if you want to go with Jesus, you have to leave the multitude behind. Now I am bringing into the remembrance the things which you have heard in the past. The Lord told me to remind you these things again. They took him. They took Jesus. He's the one who said, let us go to the other side. But they took him. There is God's will. There is man's will. The two have to be yoked. He says, let us go. And you say, let us go. Told you. That's how you begin your day. You finish your meditation. You finish your time alone with God. And then you say, Lord, let us go. I've been there. When I got up from there, that's what I said. Lord, let's go. I'm not going up there alone. Let's go. Let's go. He said, let's go. They took him along. They took him along. Read the next portion. You know English, right? Because we had an English choir singing a Telugu song. Very difficult it was for them. Okay. But you're all English, British citizens enjoying our 75th year of freedom. So please read. They took him along in the boat as he was. They took him along in the boat, as he was. Don't change. Remember what you heard in the morning? If you approach God with an idol in your heart, he will speak to you according to the idol in your heart. That is not he. That is your projection of what God is. But that's not who he is. It's a figment of your imagination that that is who God is. No. He said, you have an idol. I will make Me, look to you like that idol, but judgment. It is not truth. They did not take him as they wanted him to be. They took him as he was. As he was. There is full length mirror. And then there is in this lady's purse, this small little vanity mirror. You know what full length mirror is? It's Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one. 21 You know what vanity mirror is? Psalm 23, Psalm 121, Psalm 91. Thank you, Lord. You love me so much. What about the rest of the Bible? Consider the goodness of God and and it Full length. Full length mirror. They took him as he was. They took him as he was. And other little boats were also with him. Read those verses very, very carefully. They left the multitude. They took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. There were plenty of little boats with him, around him. But he was not in the boat. He was not in the boat. There were lots of boats with him, but he's only in one boat. For example, so that you understand, think about this as a sea, the Sea of Galilee. And all of you are boats in the same sea. But he's only in one person. He's only in one person. When the storm hits, only that person will reach the other side. All the others will scramble back or go down. Only one will cross across and fulfill God's purpose. There were so many little boats with him, but he is in only one boat. He's only in one boat. Okay. The storm will hit the sea. All the boats are hit by the same storm, but only one boat will cross over. And the reason they cross over was simply because he was in the boat and he was in the center of God's will. Center of God's will. So if you are absolutely subject to God's will, you have no deceit in your mouth. And you have laying down, you are risking your life. Literally, he's risking. The storm is there to destroy him because on the other side, there is a demon possessed man who has to be delivered. The father has sent him. Nobody knows. The enemy knows. The enemy has raised a thunderstorm over there. But you know, you are risking your life for a man. The world is useless. So everything that you heard in the morning is falling into place in this, fo- in this. I didn't know what he was preaching in the morning. But God knew what he was preaching in the morning. And he told me, preach this in the evening, in the morning, before he woke up. Because I know when he woke up. <laughs> we know when we each other wake up. Though we live in two houses. Because at the end of it, they, he says, peace. He rebuked the wind. Said, peace to the seas. Everything is calm. And they are afraid. Now they are not afraid of the storm, they are afraid of him. And it says, what manner of man he is. Even the wind and the seas are subject to him. That's what KJV will say. Subject to him. Why is the wind and the sea subject to him? Because there is no deceit in his mouth. absolutely no deceit is found in his mouth. So every wind that rises contrary to your life, every storm that rises has to be stilled if there is no deceit in your mouth. That's the power of your words. Power of your words. He's subject to his father's will. There is no deceit in his mouth. And he's risking his life for a demon possessed man who's got a legion in him. Everything in the morning it fits in in this situation. You don't have to be afraid of storms. You just have to see what God is saying, what I want you to be. Storms will come in your personal life, in your home, in your family, in your workplace, in your children. It will come one after another. It will keep on coming. You cannot stop these storms. Either you are getting into one, you are in the middle of one, you are getting out of one, but storms will keep on coming because it is to test your faith. Are you a little boat with him? Or easy in the boat in you. In you. That's what he's saying. They took him as he was. Let's go to the next verse, 37. And great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Is there anybody who feels like that? You're sinking. Sinking into depression. Sinking. You're sinking. The boat is able to tilt over. You have come to this point where you have almost given up that you are able to take a decision which you know is absolutely contrary to God's will. You're sinking. Because not the one who is in the boat is controlling now your life, but the wind and the storm and the water is controlling your life. You are tilting over, you are about to make a decision, You're ready to give up. It's filling. And people quit on themselves. They go into depression, they get into addictions. they commit suicide. When families, the boat fills up, families break up. children walk away. All kinds of crazy things happen. It's because, you know what, you simply did not know how to weather the storm. did not know how to weather the storm. We come apart with him to learn the lessons of life. Nobody, until he comes a second time, is exempt from the storms of life. It will come. The only thing is to Increase your faith, ground your faith so that your life is stormproof. proof proof And it was already filling, but he was in the stern, at the back, not in the front, at the stern, asleep on a pillow. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's resting. He's resting. The Lord builds, the Lord watches. The Lord is building, the Lord is watching, he gives rest to his beloved. How can God build through me or you? You hear from him. You hear from him. We have a Noah's Ark at the end of this campus. That's not how the Ark looked like. The actual ark was a box. It was a rectangular box. It was not like anything we build today. It was a simple rectangular box representing a coffin. Because all the eight people who got it were dead and buried in their baptism. It was not a ship. It was a coffin. It was a box. The others built according to different shapes. But when judgment came, they all sank. But when God's judgment came, this coffin, which was built exactly according to the measurements given by God, every inch of water raised it only higher and higher and higher towards God. They didn't go down, they went up. The storm is the same. The floods are the same. The waters are the same. It's not different. It is the same. But the reaction is different. One man's construction is going higher and higher and higher up. Another one is sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. The reason is this man is in the will of God. And he's at rest because he has done. It's two times, three times repeated in Noah's account. He did exactly as what God told him. I cannot do exactly as God tells me unless I learn to hear exactly what God says. That's why we keep repeating always. The most important instrument in your spiritual body is your ears. It's not your eyes. It's your ears. Because faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Let me tell you this. You will never hear right unless your heart is subject to the will of God. Unless your heart is subject to the will of God. Subject to the will of God, first means I surrender before this book. It is written. That's enough. It is written. This comes first. You, you cannot say, I did it in God's name. It doesn't work that way. You should do in God's name, but it doesn't work that way because the psalmist very clearly says in Psalm 138 and verse 2, he has magnified his word above all his name. So don't say GTC teaches this. Don't say my church teaches this. That church, these are all names. You have to say it is written. It is written. It is written. Because if anybody could have used names. That's what people do. No, They throw names around. People who they know. Names around. Because when the devil comes. And God allows the devil to tempt Jesus. He says. If you are the son of God. Then. Do this. And his answer is. It is written. He didn't throw names. My everlasting father said. If he had said it, it's a true name. But he didn't go by any names. He said it is written. So when you do something, when you do something, be very sure you can back it up first with what is written. Because the written comes first. When I am subject to the written, I'm not talk- even when you are struggling, you should be struggling because of what is written. David's struggles are all because he knows what is written. And he says your hand was heavy on him. Why was it heavy on him? Because he knew what is written. If you do not know what is written, there is no hand that is going to come upon you that is heavy. Where does God press you? Where does God touch you? He needs something to press you down. And that's the word. My bones are wasting away. Why? Because he knows what is written. He was one king of Israel who went by what was written because when the law was given by Moses God said the king should have a copy. The king should have a copy. The king should meditate upon the word day and night. He was one king who would meditate upon the word of night. So when he went outside the word, the hand of God could come heavy upon him because the spirit of God could tell him, it is written and your contrary. It is written, your contrary. It is written, your contrary. But if you do not know what is written and you are not subject to what is written, how can God change your course? This is where this comes. This comes. You know what the word Bible means? Simple question. Do you know what the word Bible means? It means the word. The book. Not book, a book. The book. This is the book. No man can claim authorship because it begins by saying, in the beginning. God. And John begins by saying, in the beginning was the word. That's where it comes. It is written. You cannot, after the retreat, go back to normalcy. You have to start. I said yesterday, I'm saying again, start. You have to start your life with God. And I told you last Sunday, not today, last Sunday, there is something about God. He can never be second. Because by his very nature, he's always first. Always first. In the beginning means God is first. And if God is second, God is not in your life. You are in a boat with him. God cannot be second. And one of the simple, visible, practical ways young people sitting over here can know whether God is first or not, is when you are in a situation, first go to what is written. That's how how he comes first. Jesus is not eaten for 40 days. He's absolutely hungry. He's hungry. The devil is not going to come and test you or tempt you in something on which you have no inclination, no hunger, no passion, no interest. He's not going to come. He's ravenous. 40 days without food. And then he comes and says, make these stones into bread. And he says, it is written. It is written. You can't be tested in anything that you're not interested in. You're not hungry for. You're not passionate about. You're crazy about. You're hungering for. You cannot be tested. Here you see, in this middle of God's will. Absolutely. Go to Psalm 127. It's our baby dedication psalm, right? I'll tell you, do you see this? He told me that also in the morning. This morning you will go up, you don't take your notes, you'll just take your Bible. So do you trust me? You trust me. You go up there, don't take your notes. You trust me. I'll tell them. I will tell you what you tell them. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who builds it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For he gives his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved and Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. Jesus is sleeping. When my children were small, when all your children are small, the little ones, have you noticed the way the mother carries and the father carries? The fathers carries their children on their shoulders. Have you noticed that? They carry the children on the shoulders. What is written about God's beloved, Benjamin? The twelfth one. The eleventh one is Jesus, Joseph. The twelfth one are the hidden ones. The beloved of the Lord writes on it, Shoulder. So the beloved, even when he's sleeping, is riding on the father's shoulders far above every storm, every wind, every calamity that comes in your life because his beloved rides upon his shoulder and he gives his beloved rest. Read the Genesis account from 37 to 50. Benjamin doesn't say a word. A word. In it all, Benjamin never speaks. Joseph has 11 brothers. 10 of them sin against him. Benjamin never sins against Joseph. But when the 11 brothers are seated, everyone gets portions from Joseph's table, but Benjamin gets five times. And they're looking at it. They're looking at their plates. They're looking at the order. They don't know it is Joseph, because he looks like an Egyptian. They are saying, how did he know our order? Beloved of the Lord rides upon his shoulders. When he rides upon his shoulders, and he has rest. He can rest when the storm is hitting, because the Lord is building, and the Lord is watching. You cannot be destroyed. Your life cannot be destroyed. Your journey cannot be disrupted. Your mission will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. You have to see it life in those terms. It is not like modern day presidents who will say mission accomplished and before you know the mission has collapsed. It's all photo op. They just want a photo and headline. Jesus doesn't want photo. He doesn't want headlines. He just wants his father's mission accomplished. Look at that. Remember? One and two. is about the Lord building. The Lord watching. He gives his beloved rest. And three onwards. Children. So what is he building? What is he building? Your career, brother. No, brother. Your home. He's building your home, because father is a homemaker. He's watching over your home. I'll tell you, all of you are single. All this group sitting over here is single. Get married, have children. Yes, yes. Get married, have children. And the thing you will realize when your children start growing up, what you need rest is about your children. Once you have your children. Oh we sang no because he lives I can face and then we have a verse about a child. House you to really? Do you have rest? Which parent sitting here holding their child has the rest about the child's future? What is he saying? Unless I build your house. Unless I watch over your children unless I build your house and I watch over your children. Watch over your children. and That is so important why you need to hear about your children so that even when they do not seem to be going where they are supposed to be going or even when they are going where they are supposed to be going, both cases you have rest. When the storm hits your home, you have rest because you have heard him saying, We are going to the other side. Do you know what Jesus in his last prayer said to his father? Father, I have lost none you gave to me, except the one who was destined for perdition. I have lost no one. The end of our journey, all of us individuals, as fathers, as mothers, as shepherds, should be able to tell the Lord, Lord, I have lost nobody, you gave it to me, I've lost no one. So we are on a journey, we are on a journey. Go back to Mark, oh, they got it so fast, who is that, wow. Good job. I'm telling you, you know, sometimes you have to take your Christian hat off and give it to brothers who came from the Hindu background. They wear it better than us. They know their word. We all lived in that twilight zone. They came from darkness into light. They know the difference very well. They know the difference between that and this. I remember 1936, if I'm right, in Kerala's greatest Christian convention, which is on the banks of that famous river, Pampa, where you have what is called the Maraman Convention. Until COVID came, that was never disrupted for over 100, 120, 30 years. Convention goes every year. Sadhu Sundar Singh came and preached. Everybody's heard of Sadhu Sundar Singh? And he told the wonderful people of God's own country, my people, the wonderful tagged Syrian Christians, he told them, you are like the stone in water. Absolutely drenched in the gospel, but it has never entered into your hearts. All wet outside, all dry inside. You take a man like that to come from this Sardar background to tell the Christians, you would know nothing. You are wet outside and dry inside. No? Wet all outside dry inside let's go back they are struggling in a storm panicking in a storm while he is fast asleep and they awoke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing always listen to responses husbands wives children you don't you never care What is the issue? Water is getting into the boat. Why can't you talk facts? No, you'd never care. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the word. Martha is rattling pots and pans to get some attention. She's getting no attention. Finally, Master, you don't care that I'm working alone. That's what she says. Go back and check. She says you don't care. See, Jesus is never politically correct, even in a home. When you're preaching the word, what do you? What does Jesus expect? Sit down and listen. Okay. Now, if Jesus had interrupted and suddenly used Martha as an illustration, you all should be hardworking like Martha. Martha would have no problems with Mary sitting there for the rest of her life. But the problem is, Martha is wrong and Mary is right. There is no deceit in his mouth because he refuses to flatter people when they are in the wrong. Deceived people thrive on flattery. Deceived people thrive on Flattery. It boosts their ego. We give our children boost so they get stronger. The devil gives us flattery to boost us. God gives us the truth and says it will set you free. What do you want? Freedom or boost? (laughs) Somebody said boost. There is fast asleep. And look at the teacher. Do you not care? We are perishing. So let me tell you, let's say twelve disciples are there. There are twelve disciples who have walked with Jesus, seen the preaching, heard the preaching, seen the deliverance, seen the miracles and all. What is the difference between them and Martha? Because they are also saying, while you are sleeping, did you see? We are working so hard, working so hard and you are sleeping. See, let me tell you, they are not expecting this miracle. Because when it happens, they are shocked of their wits. They are expecting him to get up and take some water out. <laughs> that is their problem. The problem is, you are sleeping while we are working. And that is the same problem with Martha. You are sitting while I am working and he is not even recognizing my work. Allowing her to sit there. So listen to words. Your own words. Like I said quite some time back, Now we all have this Smartphones, like Pastor said, no, smartphone doesn't make you smart by the way, okay? Okay. Which has got something called a voice recorder? Does it have a voice recorder? Your phones have a voice recorder? Okay. Take the voice recorder and as soon as you wake up, switch it on. I'll carry it with you. But end of the day, take a day off, retreat by yourself and listen to your entire day's conversation. You'll be very surprised. Very surprised. The number of careless words. Number of meaningless words. Number of words where you meant nothing when you said it. You would be surprised. And you would look, Lord, I seem to have only deceit in my tongue. Think about that one word about Jesus. There was no deceit on his tongue. 33 and a half years he lived and there was no out of step word from his mouth. James will say everyone stumbles in every way but he who does not stumble with words is a perfect man. And here is the perfect man on the cross. You know what? Seven sayings of Jesus Christ on the cross for 2000 years we've been preaching. Perfect words. He didn't stumble once. Even on the cross. In the midst of the agony, the pain, the shame, the insult, the shouting, the screaming, the mocking, the scoffers, he never stumbled in his words—not once. Now you do realize there was so much power in his words, so much power in his words. So there is, teacher. Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you feel that like a wife or a husband? I work so hard the whole day, then when I come back home, all you have is complain, complain, complain. Don't you care, I'm perishing in my office. (laughs) Or the other way, let's switch the plate. I've been, these children have been driving me crazy. This one's one end is open, this one's other end is open. All they create is a mess. I am tired, worn out, and when you come back home, you are sitting before the laptop. Don't you care I am perishing? Now, everything you said is facts, but the problem is who are you serving? That's a question, who are you serving? The simple question is, are you picking life or are you laying down your life? Are you picking life or are you laying down your life? Everything that you say may be true. Because all the issues in life are interpersonal. It's relationship issues. It's not anything else. relationship issues. Because from the time Adam fell, everybody has come from a dysfunctional home. Because the first family failed, every family failed. So everything is relationship. But that's not the point. The point is you have to look in the middle of it. Let's go to because Let's be practical. Because we are not looking at a storm. We are looking at real storms that hit homes and individual lives and all. Because we don't know sometimes how long a storm will last. It could be a day. It could be 10 years. Or as in Joseph's case, the storm lasted 13 years. It's not one day. It was a storm. But he was in the middle of Of God's will. So every night when he went to sleep. He slept well. He had rest. Because the Lord was with him. He was building. God was building. He was watching. God was watching. So everything that he built survived. And he gave Joseph rest. But 21 years later. 13 years of Joseph. Seven years are plenty, and then the famine begins. Twenty years are over. Twenty-one years, twenty-two years, the brothers are not able to sleep. They are not able to sleep, not because there is famine. They are not able to sleep because there is plenty. They are on the way back and the sacks are full. And they wanted to feed the animals on the way. When they opened the sacks, there is silver in the sacks. And they are panicking now because of plenty and prosperity. And they are worried because, he asked us, Questions about our family and our brother, and they're talking to each other. Didn't I tell you? Do you remember how our brother cried twenty-one years ago? They have no sleep because there are unresolved in- interpersonal risk issues in their life. Unresolved issues. You sold a brother. You think he's dead. Maybe he's dead for you. The God of Joseph is alive. And he is the one who gives sleep. He's the one who gives you rest. It's all interpersonal. All relationship. Every issue is interpersonal. So let's go to First Peter chapter 3. Because we are a unique church here and around the world. Everywhere our church is, this is the pattern in which he has created us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, 2. Wives, likewise be submissive. We heard that word, no? Subject. Okay? Subject to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So let us accept the fact. Because let us talk to the weaker vessel before we talk to the stronger vessel. Right? Because that's how God always deals. He always deals with the weaker vessel. Your husband doesn't believe he may come to church, but he doesn't believe. He doesn't read the word, he doesn't obey the word. And you have a husband who doesn't care. God says, you know what? Without a word, you can win him over. Your storm can be calmed. Without a word. Meaning, don't say anything. Don't say like, Martha, don't you care? Don't say it. Shut your mouth. Zip your lip. Go to verse 2. When they observe your chase conduct accompanied by fear, they see your conduct absolutely transparent without deceit before God. And they see that you fear God. He may not fear God, but you fear God. We're talking to a practical situation, whether you're a wife, whether you are a child, parents don't believe. But This is a principle which God is talking about. How do you deal when you have authority above you who do not care for the word, who do not fear God? That their behavior does not determine your response. You respond according to the word of God. You know, Rebecca could have saved her home when Isaac went blind and became carnal and decided to bless Esau. All she had to do was go to God. All she had to do was go to God. And God, I bring to you a remembrance. Do you remember, Lord, 40 years ago when my womb was touched by you and there was this tumult in my womb and I asked you, you said there are two nations and you told me the elder shall serve the younger. But Lord, my master, my husband, is planning to bless the elder one and you know your blessing goes through the father. Lord, intervene. And you would have rested her and said, I see you. I see him. Don't fear. She could have rescued her home. But she didn't. She was not subject either to God, by not going to God, or subject to her husband. Not by not going to. She took the reins upon her own shoulder, did things in her own way, and the family fell apart. Principles. Principles. Naval, Put his foot in his mouth. David is so mad. He plans to kill Nabal. What did Abigail do? Think about Abigail. See this picture. Abigail is the wife. Nabal is the husband. David is the king. Or the anointed one. Or represents Jesus. You know what she did? She shut her mouth with her husband. And went and asked for God's mercy. Represented by David. Have mercy. God intervened and saved her. Do you believe the word? Are you willing to be subject to the word? And God says, I will work. It doesn't matter what the storm is. My storm will no overwhelm those who are subject to me. If you are subject to me, and subject to my word, and subject to my spirit, the storms cannot destroy your boat. Get principles. This is where faith comes from. The entire purpose of teaching the word of God is to give you precepts and principles and wisdom, but above all when you hear, faith should come. Faith should come. Even his own son was made perfect in obedience first. Obedience. Then you are sent out. Then the waves obeyed him. The seas obeyed him. Demons obeyed him. Sickness obeyed him. Everything obeyed him. Everything obeyed him. And he was always in the center of his father's will. Because it is written. It is written. Let's go for back to Mark. Mark 4. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Principle in verse 39. When there is this issue, and when there is a response from somebody, we don't react. We don't react. We act. Men of faith, women of faith, we act. Reaction would be, don't you care? Would be immediately, forget the storm, forget the water, forget everything. What do you mean? I don't, you don't care. Don't I do this for you? Don't I do this for you? No, that is a reaction. He doesn't react. He doesn't react. Reaction is what is not what is needed first. Action is what is needed. There is an issue, there's an issue in the home. This is an issue in your life. This is an issue over there. Don't react. Act. Faith acts. Faith without works is dead. If you react in your feeling, you react in your emotions. You know what? You are not taking responsibility for your own actions because you did not remember how the journey began. The journey began because you did not because you wanted to go. The journey because because he said, "Let us go." If he said, let us go to the other side, you will go to the other side. No storm can stop you. Who started the journey? You or God? Who started your home? You or God? Who started your career? You or God? Who started Joseph's career? God. Not man. His brother sold it, but that's not what is written. God sent a man to Egypt in chains and in fetters. God started his career in the world. It looked like terrible, terrible, let's put it practical. Terrible, horrible working conditions. I have to work from 5 to 11. Pay is so little. What is the pay you get? Uniform and three meals a day. Let's make it practical. But the question is, who started your career? God or you? Joseph's career was started by God, not by man. Terrible, horrible working conditions. But the difference was that He enjoyed his work because God was with him. Because he was not serving Potiphar. He was serving God. Get this picture. We don't react. We act. We have to learn. Whenever something happens, we have to learn. Lord, first is be still. Be still. That's why God says, quick to listen. Slow to speak. Because we have to be very careful what we say. Because you are not speaking to your wife. You're not speaking to your husband. You're speaking into a realm. Words have power. To build or to tear down. To calm storms or to raise the intensity of the storm. To put down a fire or light it even more. Words have the power. Because everything was created by words. And God made man in that image. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So he says be measured. Don't react. Act. So he didn't react. He didn't speak. He will, after the issue is over, he will learn with the situation. What does he do? He's, he said, peace be still. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, there are two things here. One is the cause. The other is the effect. You always have to look at the cause and the effect. The cause is the wind. The effect is the storm. He doesn't look at the effect. He looks at the cause. What caused this? Speak to the cause. The effect will go away. So you come home, your wife throws a tantrum and be still and say, what happened? The children did not behave well today. They tired you out. What happened? What happened? Sometimes when I come back home, I'm in a dizzy because a lot of things happen when I blurt out. My wife will say, what happened? She doesn't react to what I'm saying. She said, what happened? What upset you? I will say this happened in Egypt, that happened, and so I'm so mad at you. I know you are get, not getting upset with me, though it's as if I am the target, I knew something upset you. Otherwise the whole issue will be forgotten. What upset you? What is the cause? What is the cause? Deal with the cause. The effect will go away. The effect will go away. If you don't deal with the cause, It will only become words. He rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea and said, Peace, be still. Then he said to them, Why are you so fearful? After the sea had calmed down, the boat had stopped rocking, the water is all gone out, everybody is looking like dummies, things are all calm, He says, Why are you so afraid? Right? So, after Abigail has gone, fallen out, and shown, and David has shown mercy, she comes back home. And next day morning, when Nabal is not drunk, but he's sober, then she speaks to him. Then she speaks. Anger is gone, drunkenness is gone, everything is calm. Then she speaks to him. You know what he said? Do you know what you said last night? Do you know what David was planning to do? And this fellow is like, Sup. I said all this. When wives of alcoholic husbands call me, I would say, tell them, you know what? Why don't you one day record all his thing in video, in drama, when he comes back in the evening? And The next day morning when he's calm, replay it for him very quietly, honey, here's your breakfast and I have a special show for you. <laughs> I used to say when president is declassifying documents of NASA and spaceship and flying saucers and all this, and aliens, contact with the aliens and all this, nothing nothing special for Indian women, I told them. Nothing women. Because you know what, Indian, even rural Indian women are not surprised by all this NASA's findings. Because when their husbands go in the morning, when he comes back in the evening, he comes back as an alien. And next, when she serves him loving home-cooked food, she sees flying saucers. (laughs) We don't need NASA for all these things. We have alien visits and flying saucers in our own homes. But in the morning when he is sober, after the storm is over, everything is calm, he said to them, why are you so fearful? Husbands, listen. Many of the things your wives say is because they are afraid. Wives listen. Many of the things your husbands say because they are afraid they may lose their job. They are not making enough. They are, in their mind it is always how to secure my home, how to secure, and many of the things you hear, you need to realize it is coming from fear. Many of our responses in the personal responses is from fear. And what should your response be? I believe. How do you calm fears? By saying, God will take care of it. Trust God. I believe we will come through. I believe we will come through. The response to fear is Faith. 1 John 5 4. Because this world system is created to by the devil to instill fear in people. Because the devil controls people through fear. But God leads his people in faith. What does it say? For whatever is born of God overcome this world of fear. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What should you do? Should speak faith. You'll come through will come through. We'll go. We'll inquire of the Lord. One year famine. Second year famine. Third year famine. Shortage. Let us go ask the Lord. Honey, let's go on a two day fast. Let's go on a three day fast. Why is this happening? Calm down. Look at Jesus' response. He says, you're looking at all these things. But why are you afraid? Why are you so fearful? Do you know that your responses are because of fear? Your responses are not because of faith. So there's a response of fear. Martha's response is there. Oh, he cares only for Mary. He doesn't care for me. But that's not what is written. Do you know what is written in John 12? He loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. That's what you need to realize. Oh, pastor, oh, God only loves that one. God only, no, God loves everyone. He doesn't love one more than the other. It is not possible. Jacob may love Joseph more, but not the God of Jacob. He may approve of one more, but he loves everyone the same way. That's what you have understood from the morning message. You never, ever have to strain to struggle to win God's love. Because when I was a sinner, when I was an enemy of God, when I was weak and helpless, if he loved me so much to send his only begotten son, then now I am a son. He loves me less? No. That is why God is God. He's perfect. He will love us the same way all through eternity. You don't have to fight for God's love, but you have to fight to see that you are in the will of God. The will of God. What does the devil do? He puts this insecurity in you, makes you fearful so that your boat will sink. Because of fear, people do stupid things. Stupid things. Even Jason, David did stupid things because of fear. It was fear that caused him to do all kinds of stupid stuff. Your response because of fear is terrible. The devil took him down and down and down and finally the champion of Israel is a servant of Goliath's king. Everything is forgotten. You killed Goliath. Now you are serving Akish. Your servant, David. Servant of whom? Akish. What happened? Because you listen to the voice of fear. That's what God is saying. Why are you so fearful? You have no faith. You have no faith. You have to come back to faith. And faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God, if you are living by faith, if you are first going by what is written and what you hear from the Holy Spirit, you will not live in fear. My marriage will break. My home is gone. There will be no reconciliation. My children are lost. Oh, that's all fear. It's all fear. Go to back, go and read what is written. And once you know what is written, there is a God who speaks. It's a God who hears. Listen to David. Listen to David. Listen to David. Because he's a man of the old covenant who speaks to us. Because we listen to Joseph and Daniel, we'll give up and say, they never goofed up. But we are all like David. We are all like Jacob. We are people who goofed up. But the problem is, we look at them and they heard very clearly. They heard very clearly. Therefore they could be put back. They could be put back. The minute they hurt, their life was okay. He doesn't even ask whether I will recover. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? That's all he asks. He doesn't have the guts to ask further. He's not asking, will I win? He didn't ask that. God goes ahead. He says, you will overtake. Surely overtake. Recover all. That's a problem. We don't go to the source of our solutions. You need to go back to the source. You are struggling, let us say, with your home for 10 years. You are struggling with your children for 15 years. Go to God and say, Lord, will my home be restored? If you hear, yes, go back and sleep. Go back and sleep. Just do what you have to do, what scripture says. It will be restored in God's time. To your favored child, you hear from go to God and say, Lord, this is how my child is. What do I do? God says, release him. Release her into my hands. I will take care of it. Thank you, Lord. How do you respond in faith? Once you have heard, after that, you go about doing what you have to do. That's a response of faith because you handed over the situation into his hands. Not biting your nails and worrying. Okay, Lord, I surrender and then take him back on your shoulders and carry, Lord, what God says. You didn't believe what you heard. Let's go to the final words for tonight. and Then we will disperse for dinner. Go back to Mark. Let's read first. Why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Okay, and they are amazed, fearful. That is 41, right? They feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You will be so amazed. Then God starts cleaning out, the stopping the storm and cleaning the mess out in your lives. You will be shocked. I didn't realize it was so easy. I didn't realize it was so easy because nothing is too difficult for God. What looks impossible with you? Who then can be saved? Jesus says, follow me. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And they said, who can be saved? Because everybody wants to be rich. We left everything. We are following you to get everything that they didn't say. That is in brackets. Otherwise, look at their response. He's saying, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And Peter's response, then who can be saved? So, what is in your heart? That sent that, this thing revealed your heart. Why did you leave everything to follow it? So you are also expecting gain only. Mammon rules your heart while you are following Christ. And Jesus said, I will show you. Follow me. Right? What is impossible with man is possible with God. That is why the next narrative: the rich tax collector, probably the richest guy in Jericho gets saved. The camel has gotten through the eye of the needle with both two humped camel it was. It had iniquity called covetousness and sin called stealing. Two humped camel was Nicodemus. Iniquity called covetousness and sin called stealing. Suddenly he stood up and said half my wealth I give to the poor. One hump went down. From everyone who have taken four times a giver, sin went down, the camel went through. Jesus said, salvation has come into the house. This is the son of Abraham. What is impossible with God? Easy with God. Don't even say possible. Easy with God. That's what he's telling. So as we close, the final words I said is verse 35, where we began. Mark 4 and verse 35. That's where we began this. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Why this entire reaction and all these accusations, everything happened? Because they did not listen. Listen. What did he say? Let us go to the other side. If he said, we are going to the other side, we are going to the other side. You know what? When the storm came and the waters got in, they should have all sat down and said, we will wait until the water reaches his nose. Then he will get up and he will stop this. We will watch a miracle. He's at the back of the boat. Let the water rise. This water can't kill him because he said, let us go to the other side. This storm cannot destroy my life. This wind cannot capsize my boat. It does not matter how much water gets in. I cannot sink because he said not once. He said twice in two different dreams. I am called to reign. My brothers may sell me. Potiphar might be put me in prison but my boat cannot sink. But it stands on the testimony of two witnesses. The word of God. My boat cannot sink. I shall not die, but love and declare the works of the Lord. I shall not die. That should be, he has pushed me violently. Yes, but I shall not be destroyed. I shall not die, but I shall love and declare the... Why? The devil is doing his work love God to do his work. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But he said, I have come to give you life. Therefore, when the enemy comes, you say, I cannot be destroyed. I am indestructible. You cannot kill me, but I shall love and declare the works of the Lord. And not only that, through me, he will destroy your works. Because for this purpose, the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's how faith responds. We don't quit. We don't give up. We will stand. Because you know what? We have a promise. I'm going to my father's house. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If I go, I will come back again. We have a promise. Men of Galilee, why are you looking up with your mouth open? The same way he went, the same way he will come. Go do your work. He will come back again. That is the hope the church has held on for 2,000 years. When I look at all that is happening, what is the hope? Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. When all these things happen, what does the word of God say? Lift up your heads. Not droop down. Lift up your heads. My redemption is near. Amen? We shall pray. Father, this evening we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just want to thank you, Lord. We want to confess to you our fear. Often we have feared. And often, maybe we did not open our mouth and utter it, but in our minds we also have thought like the disciples and like Martha, that you really don't care for us. So many times of father, we may ask the Lord, I just want to quit because I think like nobody cares. But your response to all of us is the same. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? Don't you believe in me? Don't you trust my word? When he asks that question, where is your faith? He's asking, do you believe me? Do you trust what is written? It's breathed by my spirit. It cannot be changed. Will you go by what is written? Will you go by what you have heard from me? I will never contradict what is written. So you can stand on what is written. And you can, without fear, men face the future. Famine must have come. You have no salary increase for three years. You may have lost your job. It does not matter. He's telling men, why are you so fearful? And he's telling women, why are you so afraid? To be subject to your husband. Didn't I tell you? To be subject to your husband in all things. Not only the things which you like. All things. As in the Lord. Yes, of course. If he tells you to something that contradicts what I have told in my word. Without dishonoring him. You can deal with the issue. But if you want to be a daughter of Sarah. Without fear. She without fear was subject to her husband, Abraham. And therefore she came through every storm. Twice she was sold over by her husband. But God brought her out of Egypt and out of Abimelech's household because she submitted without fear. Why are you fearful, O woman? Why are you fearful, O man? Why are you fearful, oh child? You are not an orphan. If you know me, you cannot be an orphan. Where is your faith? In what have you trusted? In whom have you trusted? Come back to the cross. Come back to the word. Come back to God. Say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. I did not trust you enough. Help my unbelief. I surrender once again today. Help me to believe. Help me to believe, Lord, that what you have for me is better than what I can think or imagine. Oh, Lord, your will is so good. It is good not only for now, it is good for ever and ever. But eyes haven't seen or ears heard what God is preparing for those who love him. And for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose, all things, everything will work out for their good. So don't be afraid to obey him today because he said, if you love me, just obey my commands. It will all work out for your good. But don't forget by night what you heard in the morning. He was filled without measure, and he came full of grace and full of truth, because there was no deceit in his mouth. And seas and winds obeyed his words, storms stilled at his words, because there was no deceit in his mouth. He was absolutely, totally subject to the authorities placed over him by his Father, though he was God. He was subject. And three, he laid down his life for others. When he said, let us go to the other side, it was to deliver a demon possessed man. He was putting his life on the line for a man the world had given up on. Lay down your life today for the will And the purpose of God. Then you can stand. At the stern. And you can say with Jesus. Peace. Be still. The wind will hear your voice. The seas will hear your voice. And they will cross over. To God's. Appointed destination. Thank you Father. Thank you Lord. As we go for dinner. In a time of fellowship rejoicing. I speak peace into every heart. Your peace I speak. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, by faith, as you told your disciples, you are clean because of the word. We believe your word has cleansed us as we receive it. We lift up clean hands, holy hands, and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name, name, O Father. And Father, We stand here in your house, in this place, and we declare, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. All God's children said, Amen, Amen, Amen.